Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Because all the other religions in the world, they will teach you to be good, to do good, to get right with God on your own. And you need to work your way towards God with all of your might, with all of your effort, with everything that you have. And hopefully you're good enough, but you don't really ever know if you're good enough. You're trying to get to God with all that you have. But Christianity believes that God looked at us and said, they can't ever be good enough to get to me, so I'm gonna go to them. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Today we will be studying from the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And while we call it a book, it was really a letter originally written to people in a city called Colossae by the Apostle Paul. The reason Paul wrote this letter is because the members of this church were new to the Christian faith and they had many questions. They wanted to know what the gospel was, what they should do with old traditions from their community and faith, and how this newfound faith should impact their lives. The same thing this letter did for those so many years ago, it will do for us today. It will inform us, challenge us, and guide us towards what the gospel really is and how it can impact our lives. Please enjoy the message. Because they're getting, you might say, news reports in from these people outside of their church. And the people outside of their church are saying, you know what, you're missing out on some things. There's some things that you need to add to this gospel that you believe in. There's some things that you need to add to this new, this good news that you have. That the message that you have is not sufficient. You need to add a little bit more to it in order to fully grasp what it is that you have with God. And so Paul writes to them and he begins to rein that kind of teaching in that this idea that you need a special knowledge or a specific vision or even you need to honor certain Judaistic practices from the past. Instead, Paul writes to them, he's saying, you don't need any of that. You just need Jesus. And that's the good news that we all need to hang on to. And this is what he says, beginning in Colossians 2. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. He is specifically referencing Judaistic practices. Whether you're eating or drinking, there were some things that were considered um, clean and there were some things that were considered unclean and you didn't want the unclean things to come into your body. And so these Christians were being judged by people from the Judaistic faith. And then in regards to religious festivals, new moon celebrations, that was the sacrificial system. And so these people would say, it's good that you believe in Jesus, but you need a little more than that. You need to still make sacrifices to God on an annual basis. It was such a rhythm of their life. They said you needed to add that as well. And then the Sabbath day was an incredible, incredibly important characteristic of the Jewish faith to honor the Sabbath. And they did not want that to get lost. And so they're saying, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to add a little of this to your Christian faith. And then Paul goes on, he says, but these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, you may not struggle necessarily with reverting back to a sacrificial system. You may not struggle necessarily with honoring the Sabbath or, or what you, paying a lot of attention to what you eat or you drink. That may not be your thing. But I'll tell you what is our thing today. Religious pluralism. Because that's exactly what Paul is talking about here to this church and that's what we need to be sensitive to as anyone here who believes in Jesus. 
What I'm talking about is we like to take a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of, I don't know, maybe some Islam out there, or maybe some Judaism, and add it to the Christian faith. And out of that, we try to give ourselves a religion, a faith that we can pursue, that we can follow after. Religious pluralism is a big problem in the church today. And it's from outside influences coming in. And the big problem with it is, is that the other religions in the world and Christianity are different in nature. It's just like this right here. This is a, a jar full of oil and water. Now you look at this and you think, oh, well, it's, it's, they're both liquid. They should come together. They should eventually become one. But they don't. They never do. Even though that they're both liquid, they will never come together because their natures are different. And people approach religion and spirituality today with the mindset of, oh, it's all God. It's fine. It's all the same. It's the same nature. It's the same reality. We're okay. But the reality is, is that they never come together. And they never will. Because Christianity is fundamentally different than every other religion in the world. Paul writes in this text, and what he tells us is this, Paul counters our old nature of do, religious festivals, Sabbath day observances, what you eat, what you don't eat, with our new reality of done. That you don't have to do anything anymore to become right with God. Instead, you can trust in what God has done for you. I was having a conversation with someone a little while back who didn't believe in Jesus. He found out I was a pastor, and so naturally he wanted to start asking me questions about the Christian faith. And, and he specifically asked me questions that maybe you can even anticipate if you're talking with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. He said, all right, well, tell me about pain and suffering in the world. How can a good God allow that to happen? And, I, and obviously I'm kind of empathetic, and I say, I understand why that, that, that would be a problem, and that would be a struggle for you to reconcile. But God hasn't promised us that we wouldn't go through suffering. Instead, he promised us that we would go through some challenges and some pain and suffering. But all that is, is a symptom of a reality in our world that the world is broken. It's not how God created it to be. But that's okay because one day he's going to make everything right. We're just living in the midst of this in-between. And he kind of nodded, okay, okay. Well, tell me about hypocritical Christians then. I say, well, you... I understand where you're coming from with that, but we don't follow Christians. We follow Christ. And the reason that we need Christ is because we are hypocritical and we all fall short. And he says, well, what about churches? They're all so broken. And I, I agree. We're fallen people. And, and in that, we create some fallen systems and even organizations that aren't perfect. We see that throughout our entire world. You cannot find a perfect system or organization out there because we are a broken people. But we're doing the best we can. And as long as we keep Jesus at the middle, we're going to be okay. And then he said, okay. He thought he had me with his trump card. And he said, how about all the other religions in the world? I can't tell the difference between any of them. And I said, well, that one is easy. The difference is forgiveness. Because all the other religions in the world, they will teach you to be good, to do good, to get right with God on your own and you need to work your way towards God with all of your might, with all of your effort, with everything that you have and hopefully you're good enough but you don't really ever know if you're good enough. You're trying to get to God with all that you have but Christianity believes that God looked at us and said they can't ever be good enough to get to me so I'm gonna go to them. 
And he came to us in Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death. And he conquered the grave three days later, the greatest challenge that we would ever face in this world, which is death. And that is the hope that we have in Jesus because it's not based upon, the Christian faith is not based upon an old nature of do. It's based upon a new reality of what God has done. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Apostles said it this way in Acts 4, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so Paul combats religious pluralism with the new reality of done that we have in Jesus. And that is a beautiful thing. And we need to lean more into Christ and not try to reconcile what's going on in other parts of the world with these other religions. And so Paul continues on. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. It it is thought that this worship of angels was specific to this particular part of the world. That that was a custom, a tradition of these particular people. We don't really understand the philosophy. No one understands the philosophy exactly that the people struggled with in Colossae because it was more specific to them in that part of the world. And part of the issue they had was they liked to worship angels. That was a part of their traditions. That was a part of their custom. And so they would pray to angels to protect their business, to protect their family, to protect their homes, to protect their health, to give them prosperity. And so they worshiped angels. That was a common tradition amongst these people that lived in Colossae. And then he goes on, such a person also goes into great deal about what they have seen, visions, experience. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. In other words, as they have these visions, as they experience these things, they think they're growing in their faith. They think they're closer to God. They have lost connection with the head, Paul says, though. And we'll read a verse in a moment. But the head is Christ. You can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without a head. From the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. They are being taught that if they have certain experiences, often in vision form, then they know they're growing in their faith. David Garland, a commentator, says this of the Colossian heiress. They were preoccupied with their own religious experiences. Their exaggerated visions are all smoke and mirrors, much ado about nothing. They puff up the worshiper's unspiritual mind and lacks any true spiritual enlightenment. In other words, they are pursuing experience to the point that they think that is the end goal, not Christ. And what Paul is combating here that we need to consider in our world today is hyper-religious experientialism. You'll come across certain uh, 
sects of Christianity, branches of Christianity that are highly, highly charismatic to the point where they say, you know if your faith is real if you have this experience. You know if your faith is real if this gift can get manifested. You know that you are growing in your faith because of a certain feeling. And to be super clear, I think experience is a major part of the Christian faith. It is a major part of what, what it is that we believe. The Bible tells us this, that one of the most effective ways that you can communicate with somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus about your faith in Jesus, if you believe in him, is how Jesus has changed your life, how you've experienced him. The apostle said it this way, for we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard, what we've experienced. We are, the psalmist writes us to us that we're supposed to taste and see. We're supposed to experience that the Lord is good. So experience is a major part of the Christian faith. And to be clear, I believe that God does heal. And I believe that God does at times allow us to manifest gifts um, through, through our lives. And I do believe that there are certain things that do happen from God. But the gift is not to be pursued over the gift giver. And we can make it such a priority to pursue the experience that we forget about the one who this experience is really all about. When I was in my mid-20s, I did this. I would go to the church with the best worship team. I would go to the church with the best preacher, uh, the best sound system, because that's often what we confuse God's movement as. It's really just a full room and a really loud worship set. Like that's, God, that's what we often confuse God's, work, God's movement as, but that's not the reality. It's not all about the experience. It's not all about the feeling. And I quickly realized, like, wait, I've got to make it more about Jesus and not the experience. Paul said in that text, when we pursue the experience, the feelings as our priority, we are cutting off the head. And we're not going to grow that away. There is experience to be had. There are moments with God that do leave you with a, a feeling that is undeniable. But you are meant to pursue Jesus, not that experience. Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Christ is the head. And so Paul is telling us, Paul is encouraging us not to pursue the experiences, but to pursue Christ. And as you pursue Christ, guess what? You get experiences, more and more experiences. But if you pursue the experiences, you might get Christ, but then you might miss him as well. And so Paul is telling this church, you don't have to keep going after these visions. You don't have to keep going after these things these people are telling you. Instead, what you need to go after is the head, and you need to depend on him and pursue him. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules, to its regulations, these behavior modifications? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom. In other words, you can look at somebody's life, and it can look really good on the outside, but you don't necessarily know what's on the inside. And you, you experience this. I know you do, because you've told me, like, oh, I just don't want to explode, because I know what's inside of me. I know what's going on. And so you got to go to another meeting, another conversation, and you're scared that you're going to blow up on somebody. Because the desire inside of you, this heart inside of you, hasn't changed. You're just managing your behavior. You're controlling the change on the outside of you. And he says, these have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgences. In other words, you can manage the behavior but that doesn't necessarily change the heart 
And so the challenge that Paul is speaking to this church about and to ours about is increased religious regulation. It's, it's a sensitivity that we need to have to not depending on our change on the outside. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. How many of you here, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you here can drive a standard transmission? How many? Yeah, all right, praise God. That is Jesus' car, just so you know. No, I'm kidding. It's not, it's not. But you could drive a stick shift. That's what I learned to drive on. It was, it was incredible to learn to drive on a stick shift. If you're under 40, there are fewer and fewer people that can drive a stick shift. Let me tell you, it is few and far between who can actually can drive the automatic and you, you know how it worked with the standard transmission? You'd grab a hold of the, the, that, that stick shift and you had that clutch and you'd push the clutch and you'd shift gears and it would rev up and then you would want to bring the RPMs back down so you'd shift the gear again and you'd make another change and then you'd make another change and eventually you'd get to that point where you could cruise along until you hit a red light then you had to shift down. You, you, knew, you know what I'm talking about. But then the automatic came along, transmission, and it would do all the changing for you. So rather than you changing what was going on in the inside of the engine, the transmission did all the work for you. You just had to press that little pedal a little bit, and it would just go. And all the shifting took place on its own. That's, that's what's happening here in this church. That's what's happening here in this church. <laughs> that's what's happening in my life. There can be a tendency for me to depend on myself. And I'm going to change myself. I'm going to modify my behaviors. I'm, I'm not going to mess with what's going on on the inside of me. I'm just going to manage my behavior, behaviors to keep myself from doing anything that I'm going to really regret, which is what I say, what I think, you know, what I do. And we've got to make that change. If the church is ever going to really make it, which, I mean, I mean let me rephrase that. The church is going to make it, but if the church is going to have revival and the church is going to have vibrancy and we're going to be infectious, people need to see heart change in us. And that happens when we pursue Jesus over anything else. There's a man, many, many years ago he lived, 18th century uh, Puritan pastor named Thomas Chalmers. He struggled with this tension of, I know the life I need to live, I believe in Jesus for my salvation, but I have these desires warring against me inside of me that I still have lustful thoughts. 
And I know I'm not going to, he would say, I know I'm not going to cross those lines, but I can't get rid of this desire within me. I have this anger and this frustration at this particular person, and I know I'm not going to explode on them, but I don't want to be angry, and I don't want to hate them, and I don't want to resent them. And he didn't know how to get rid of the desire inside of him. He knew how to manage his behavior. He didn't know how to change his heart. And he came up with an idea that has stood the test of time. An idea that maybe might even help you. It's the idea of an expulsive power of a new affection. He, was pre- he presented the idea this way. He said, you cannot think to yourself, I won't think about it, I won't think about it, I won't think about it, because you're going to think about it. I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it, because you probably will end up doing it. Because whenever we focus on the object that we're trying to resist, all that we do is make that more of an affection of ours. He said, what you have to do is you have to push out that affection in your heart with a new affection, the expulsive power of a new affection. Now let me illustrate it to you this way. Often the Christian faith is defined by what we can do and what we can't do. So I'm gonna tell you something I don't want you to do. Okay, I don't want you to think about snakes, okay? Whatever you do, Hebrews, we'll get back to that passage here in a moment. I'm gonna jump ahead here. Hebrew, uh, whatever you do, I don't want you to think about snakes. Whatever you do, I just don't want you to think about that. Just don't think about snakes, okay? All right. Often we have to tell people to shut our doors around our building because snakes will come in here. Big bull snakes, they'll come in here. I mean, they'll just come in, slither through the worship center, crawl up in a, a, a car seat, crawl up in a purse. You might want to pay attention to that because it happens. We've gotten four foot, five foot, six foot snakes found in our building because they're just pursuing some little mouse or something that comes in here. I don't know. It's rather crazy. But I just, what I, here's what I want you to do. Just don't think about snakes. Don't think about the red ones, the yellow ones, the slimy ones, the not-so-slimy ones, the green ones that are super scary that you see at the zoo. Don't think about them either. Yeah, I mean, so who here is not thinking about a snake? Yeah, right. You're a liar. Church, you're not supposed to lie. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about apple pie. Yeah. Think about Grandma's apple pie. That, that, that crust that she makes, all natural, handmade, it's incredible. Cut up those Honeycrisp apples, throw it in the middle of it. It's warm, it's gooey, it, just the steam is coming off of it. You let it set for like 15 minutes, I mean, it just melts in your mouth. It is unbelievable, it's incredible. And then you throw some vanilla bean ice cream on top of it, and it just starts melting and just makes it even more sweet and better and better and better. It's incredible to eat something like this. You eat a meal, and then you grab a hold of that kind of crust and the apple and again all the goodness inside of it and the ice cream that just takes it over the top it's hard to think about snakes when you're thinking about that my guess is maybe you're not thinking about snakes I would imagine you're probably not that's the expulsive power of a new affection you've replaced the affection you shouldn't have with an affection that you should have and that's what we're supposed to do with Jesus Paul reminds us that Christ changes our heart's desires while the law will merely mask those desires. And so I can tell you not to think about something, but the reality is you're probably going to do it. And you have to replace what you shouldn't think about with something that you should think about and should pursue, which is Jesus. And Thomas Chalmers would say it this way, it is seldom that any of our tastes are made to disappear by the mere process of natural extinction. In other words, we can't make it go away by our own effort. But what cannot be thus destroyed may be dispossessed. In other words, it can be pushed out by a new affection. One taste may give way to another and to lose the power entirely as the reigning affection of our mind.
And I don't know what it is that you are desiring, but my encouragement for you is, is to desire Christ. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And when you desire what the Spirit desires, you make that your affection, everything changes. And all that's in you that shouldn't be there goes away. And that's what we do at communion. We take the communion and we set our affections, our desires on Jesus. And in doing that, we are reminded of how much he loves us. You see, we don't first put our affections on him, but the Bible says that he first gave his affection to us, that we didn't love him first, but he loved us first, yet we were still sinners. And so in this time of communion, I wanna invite you to expel, to push out everything in you that is not of Jesus and to focus on him and to make him the affection and desire that is of your hearts. Let's have a word of prayer. And then after that, if you have not received communion, you just raise your hand and our team will be happy to get communion to you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for what you've given us in Jesus. We're grateful for how much you have loved us in his name. Father, I pray that whatever is in us that shouldn't be there would be pushed out and that Jesus would sit on the throne of our hearts, that Jesus would be our one desire. And Father, in that, we would give you great honor and glory with the lives we live. In Jesus' name. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.